So we're starting a new series today, Understanding Who, who You Are in Christ. Who are you is what we're titling uh, this series as we talk for the next couple of weeks about understanding what has happened because you came into the family of God. You became a child of God. You became a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You became redeemed. You became justified. You became sanctified. You became holy. You became uh, all, these, all these things. That it's just incredible what has happened, what Christ has done for us. And it's so important for us to understand that. I believe it's foundational. It's foundational. You've got to wrap your uh, belief system around this. As a Christian, uh, Dave Devenbaugh has been teaching a class about this, uh, excellent class. Uh, I would recommend you take his class if you get a chance uh, whenever we offer that again. Dave Devenbaugh is right there, if you don't know who the Duffmeister back there. Uh, uh, not Kyle. I'm not looking at you, Kyle. I'm looking past you. <laughs> I'm glancing off of you through Mike and Trina, right? <laughs> so, uh, so we're, you know, it, it's, you have to understand this. Your, your behavior doesn't flow from knowing what the law is. Your behavior comes from what you believe. I mean, just think about this. Adam and Eve had one law. They lived in a perfect environment, but their belief system was flawed. They believed, they believed a lie that God didn't have their best interest at heart, and they fell into sin because they didn't believe the right. It's not because they didn't know the law. Eve actually quoted the law to the serpent before she sinned. Like, here's the law, here's what I was supposed to do, and this is what I'm doing. So, I mean, you know, even, even the nation of Israel, when they got the law, when Moses came down from the mountain with the law, what were they doing? They were offering sacrifices to a golden calf. They, Moses is getting the law on the mountain. They can see lightning and flashes. There's a cloud, smoke's covered the mountain. There's like this light show going on because God's there on the mountain with Moses. And they're like... It's like, wow, look at what's happening. Hey, let's build a golden calf and go back to Egypt. What? They didn't believe the right thing. So, so it's, what, it's, it's not about trying to change your behavior by the law because you never will. Ought and should never works. We can, we, can, we can nail the Ten Commandments in every school classroom from here to New York City. And it's great, but it's, it's great. It won't change behavior. It just gives knowledge of sin. So, so how do we deal with it? Well, we deal with it through believing the right things about what has happened in Christ. What has Christ done for us? I want to show you a couple of selfies that I took. We got to go to Europe several years ago, and so I took some selfies. I've got a whole list of these. These are just two, so you may not recognize this. Uh, that's me. Uh, you probably recognize that, uh, and quite a bit of nose hair there. Uh, it's me in the Tower of, Tower of Big Ben. I almost forgot what it was. That's me in the Tower of Big Ben. And then the next one is, uh, is there the next one? Me, you know what that is in the background? That's the Mona Lisa. 
You didn't know the, the Mona Lisa is only about this big. You probably didn't realize that. I mean, and the, the only reason the Mona Lisa got famous is because it got stolen uh, in the early 1920s or something. And that's 1900s. It got stolen and that, that caused it to become famous. Now, what's wrong with those selfies? I'm not a big selfie proponent, I think. I think if you're taking a lot of selfies, you need to check your mental health. Really, I mean, if you're, if you're taking pictures and posting them on wherever you post them to see how people respond to your life, then you're needy. I'm, may, maybe not. Is that harsh? Okay, so I'm, I take that back. You're mentally ill. <laughs> I mean, so what, what we know is this. We know, it, we know it's addictive. We know it's addictive. So we know that it causes uh, a dopamine rush. If you put something on Facebook and then, then you get a notification that somebody looked at it or liked it, that when you check that, it causes a dopamine rush. We know when your phone dings, if you're sitting in here and your phone dings and you get a message, it's going to drive you crazy because you, some of you will look at it and some of you will or start looking, buying stuff on Amazon right now. So, uh, <laughs> so the, the very fact that a ding on your phone's not going to bother you, but, but that, that it's almost like Pavlov's, Pavlov's dog. It just creates a response. And we, we respond to it. It's like, oh, 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 I, I got to see. Oh, what's happening? Did I, oh, I missed out. And it's, and it's happening to all of us, and it's happening to our kids whose, whose brains are not formed yet, even worse. So, uh, so what's wrong with those selfies? Get back on track. What's wrong with those selfies is that the emphasis is on the wrong thing. See, I'm, I'm, I'm at one, some, of the, some of the greatest... Uh, observable things in the world. The Tower of Big Ben is majestic. It's incredible. It's great to see it. Uh, and I'm focusing mostly on me. Or I'm at the Mona Lisa, and I'm not really standing looking at the Mona Lisa. I'm standing in the distance, and the Mona Lisa is in the distance. And we do that, is that our, our focus becomes distorted. We have a distorted view of ourselves. And so I want to talk to you about how we need to have a right view. We need to have a godly view. We need to have a correct view. And it's not a bad view. It's not a lesser view. It's a greater view because of who we are in Christ. So today I'm going to talk about what it means to be chosen by God. What does it mean, um, this incredible thing, that God chose you? That God made a choice. And he, cho- he wants you to be with him in his eternal family. God chose you. The whole purpose of creation is that God is bringing in a, a human family into the divine family. So he's bringing us who are not gods and making us inheritors with Christ into God's eternal family. We who are finite then are brought 
being brought into the family. We're being chosen. We've been chosen. What does that mean? First, I've got a lot, a lot of verses today. You know me. Uh, if all else fails, read a lot of Bible verses. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who were chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. That's a, that's a great line, isn't it? May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again. You notice that terminology, that born again? Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. He's saying, uh, Peter is following what his master told him. You caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though, uh, even though tested by fire, may be found in to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe in him. You greatly rejoice with joy, inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. So Peter's, he's writing to this group of believers. He's kind of writing a letter, you know, this is going to be read by a lot of different people. Throughout the Roman Empire. So throughout the Roman Empire, they're undergoing all kinds of persecution. So uh, at about this time, for a long time, the Jews uh, allowed Christians to coexist with them in synagogues. And so, but eventually they began to throw all the Christians out of the synagogue. They didn't want, they rejected Christ. And so they rejected the Christians and they threw them out of the synagogues. The, the Jews had, a, had a, uh, a pass from the Roman government that allowed them to meet. But you couldn't meet without permission from the government. Kind of like it is now. Uh, <laughs> so... So they, if they met as Christians, a lot of things happened. Uh, they, would, they would be tortured. Uh, they would be often driven from their homes. At one point in Rome, they drove all the Jews and Christians out of the city proper of Rome. They just had to abandon their houses, pack up everything, and leave their property. So they, they were driven out of their homes. They were driven out of their properties. They lost their properties. They lost their stuff and were made to be often refugees. And then for many, they died. They, they killed them. They, they were thrown to the lions. They were, they were used in, in the games. So, so he's, he's saying to these people, he said, now you're, you're being tortured and he's comforting them. He said, so you're in the midst of this. You're, you've been, you're being tortured and you're suffering I want you to understand that there's purpose in this and that you're chosen. 
not just chosen for suffering. The suffering is a result of your faith and your belief that it's contrary to the world system. But in the midst of that world system, something's happened. You're chosen. You're called of God. And you are protected in your suffering. Wait, you're protected? Wait a minute. You know how we think of protection? How do you think of protection? Nothing bad's going to happen to me, right? Isn't that how you think of protection? I'm going to pray for protection. God, I don't want anything bad to happen to me. How many of you are in that boat today? You don't want anything bad to happen to you? Some of you don't know. You're not sure. Hey, I don't want anything bad to happen to me. But that's, that's not the protection he's talking about. When, when we pray for protection, we have to realize what we're, we're praying for. What we're praying for is not just protection in this moment, but he's saying, you're going to be, even though you may die, you're still protected. You could lose, he's saying, hey, you guys, you could all lose your lives, but guess what? Here's the good news. You're chosen and you're protected by the power of God. Something, something's been made for, secure for you, regardless of what's happening to you. You're chosen by God. They're protected in their suffering by the power of God. You see, God chose you before you chose him. John 15, 16, Jesus said this, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the father in my name, he may give it to you. You were not chosen because you came to Jesus. You came to Jesus because you were chosen. John 6, 37, all that the father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will certainly not cast out. You weren't appointed to eternal life because you believed. You believed because you were appointed to believe. Acts 13, 47. For so the Lord has commanded us, I have placed you as a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the end of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, and as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. So this whole choice thing is difficult for us because it brings into play to a degree of predestination. In other words, it was been predetermined by God who will be saved. And let me tell you, I don't understand it. It's beyond my ability to comprehend it, but I rejoice in it because we've been chosen. That I'm predestined to salvation and that I have a free will to choose are both true. as confusing as that is. Who do you think has the greater power to choose? The one who knew you before the creation of the world or the one who couldn't find his car keys this morning? (laughs) Who has the greater power to choose? The one who knows the end from the beginning and the one who's not sure about right now. I it's, it's, it's beyond me. I, I will tell you, I, I love it. I, I, we're predestined and we have a free will and it works 
but I don't know how. God does all things by the counsel of his will. He doesn't ask us for permission to do anything. So it's glorious that he would choose us. It would, it's glorious that he would, in the all the ability to choose everybody, that God would choose us. And he chose me so that I could choose him. He chose me so that I could choose him. And what is the basis? The basis of his choosing us is his love and his grace. When you think about the nation of Israel, the nation of Israel has certainly been in a, in a, in a mess last couple of weeks. Uh, what is it, eight days? Eight days? Uh, that they've, they've been many, many days before that under attack by uh, Hamas. And the, I don't know if you understand the, you know, sometimes the, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict is uh, difficult for people to understand. It's difficult for the media to understand. Basically, you can boil down to this. There's a, there's a group of people that don't want to die, and there's a group of people that just want to kill them. If, if the Palestinians laid down their arms today, Israel, they would, they would prosper as a nation. If, if, if the Palestinians laid down their arms and just tried to build a society and a nation and didn't try to destroy Israel, they would prosper. If Israel laid down their arms today, they would be destroyed. And that's, that's just simply the difference. God chose the nation of Israel. And it's interesting why he chose them in Deuteronomy 7, verse 6. Because you think when God chose the nation of Israel, he chose Abraham. Isn't it incredible? I mean, we know about, we know the Jewish people. The people who came from Abraham. We, we, we know who they are. We, uh, God said, out of you will come nations. What happened? Abraham produced nations of people. God says about Israel, for you're a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his own possession. Out of all the peoples on the face of the earth, the Lord did not set his love on you. He set his love on you, nor choose you because you were more in number than any of the other peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples, but because the Lord loved you and kept the oath which he swore to your forefathers, the covenant he made with Abraham. The Lord brought you out by a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt." He didn't choose them because of their greatness, their strength. He chose them because he loved them. You could say that he chose them because they were weak, but that's not even right. But because that would even make their behavior part of the choosing. He chose them because he chose them. And he loves you. You know why God loves you? Because he loves you. (laughs) He loves you because he's chosen to love you. He loves you. 1 Corinthians 1.26. 
Paul says to the Corinthians, for consider your calling, brethren. Now, this is, this is like, hey, I want you to think about where you were. That you were not many wise according to the flesh. He said, you know, think about it. Not, most of y'all weren't very smart. Not many mighty. In other words, you didn't have position, power, and authority. Not many noble. You didn't have prestige in the community. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world. Well, thank you, Paul. You just said were the foolish things. Of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong and the base things of the world and the despised God has chosen the things that are not so that he might nullify the things that are so that no man may boast before God. But by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption so that it is written just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. So we, did we choose God or God choose us? God chose us because we can't boast and say we chose God. The boast is God's alone. He saved us by grace. He saved us by his love. He called us by his love from nothingness. He called us into existence and called us into his family. He chose us. It's great to be chosen. You, remember, you ever remember standing on the school ground yard and they got a captain they're going to pick up teams and pick teams and what are you thinking i don't want to be last i don't want to be last i don't want to be picked last the god of the universe isn't this incredible the god of the universe said hey you you're going to be on my team so he's chosen us your roots the roots of you being chosen i love this this is some of my favorite portion of scripture the roots of you being chosen as a child of God are based never in your behavior but in eternity Ephesians 1 3 6 blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ so we're going to talk about our inheritance later on we're going to talk about this inheritance that you get because of what Jesus has done we get everything Jesus gets in eternity. How's that? That's only possible through what Christ has done. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. That we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself. According to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. Before you were created, you were loved. God loved you, for God so loved the world. Before you were created, God loved you. Behind our believing, behind our coming to Christ, is salvation in grace alone. We get his love and grace and salvation and adoption as sons, and he gets the praise. To the praise of the glory of his grace. We're chosen we're chosen. God has set his love on you. God loves you. No matter how you feel about yourself, no matter how you think other people think about you, God loves you. 
If you try to get your identity from other people's evaluation of you, it will never be enough. Get your identity based on the one who created you. Get your identity in Christ. Be secure in who you are in Christ. It's not how many Instagram followers you have or whatever, you know, how many TikTok, whatever they're doing on TikTok, I don't know. What are they doing? I, was, I looked to the youth, to, the, to, to this younger, but see, they're already middle-aged. You know, they're 30 now, so they're old, losing touch with, you know, with teens. We get the love, and he gets the praise. Being chosen by God means that no charge brought against us can endure. No charge can stick. Doesn't mean you can't be charged. Because the enemy is going to charge you, not God. The enemy is going to accuse the brethren. In Romans chapter 8, 31, you know, this is a passage of Scripture we all know. What shall we say to these things? He's talking about, you know, who we are in God. If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? You get that? I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of a confusing sentence. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all. He didn't spare his son. He killed him for us. How will he not also with him freely give us all things. In other words, he's gonna, we're going to get everything Jesus got, right? Who will bring a charge to God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Jesus Christ is he who died, yes, rather who was raised, who's at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us, is the one who delivered his own son to the cross so that he could declare us not guilty. So Jesus, God sent Jesus to the cross so that we could be declared not guilty by the blood of Christ, now going to turn around and bring some charge against us when so great a price was paid to set us free. Is he going to bring some slight that was already covered by the blood of Christ. You understand that, right? You understand that when you come to Christ, when Christ died on the cross for the sins of man, he didn't just die for the sins that had been committed. So his blood covered the sins of every sin that would be committed. So he's covered those sins too. Is, is God who gave his son for you, gave you full and free salvation, not going to change his mind about you because you sin again? No. <laughs> As the sacrifice was adequate to do its job of eternal salvation, the sacrifice was adequate. It was sufficient. 
And, what's even, and then he throws this in. The one who died and was raised again then intercedes also on our behalf. He intercedes for us. He's at the right hand of God. He intercedes for us. So it's great. No charge will endure. Being a chosen race, and this is interesting how this comes about, is the end of racism among Christians. 1 Peter 2.9, but you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The chosen race is not Jewish. It's not white. It's not black or Asian or any other grouping. There's no... The chosen race. What is the chosen race? God has chosen us freely with respect to his race, a new race, a holy nation. We are a new kingdom. We are a new race. My primary identification is not that I'm white. My primary identification is that I am in him. I'm his. I'm his nation. I'm his people. When you walk in your race as your primary means of identification, you're walking in darkness instead of light. That's is what he said. Who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. We've been called out of the ethnicity that we were into his ethnos, his family. We're now the family of God. What does this family look like? Well, and they sang a new song, Revelation 5, 9, saying, worthy are you to take the book and break its seals for you were slain and you purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and you made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign on the earth. In this way, he nullified all racism. He bound all of us into one race, one family that are saved, one family with one father. We've got one father, one glorious father. God is my father, and every redeemed person is my people. Who are my people? My people are God's people. That's my kingdom. That's who I am. So, God chose you. And even when you think about it, it's hard to wrap your mind around it. To get a hold of the why did God choose me? Well, he chose you because he loved you. He wanted to show grace to you. He chose you and he wants to combat your feelings of unworthiness and insecurity with that. Combat combat your feelings of unworthiness and insecurity. I'm not good enough. I'm not loved enough. I'm not valued enough. You have to base it upon who God says you are, not who you say you are. 
Not even who people around you say you are. You know, people around you will not always tell you the truth about who you are. They will demean you and destroy you. You can work in a job where they're, they're keeping you down. God declares who you are. You're chosen by God from the foundation of the world. You overcome sin with it. How do you overcome sin? You overcome sin with belief. You don't overcome sin with saying, thou shalt not. The Bible says that thou shalt, the law only creates within us a desire to do it more. Have you noticed that? Anybody here ever go on a diet? You know, you start your diet at 8, 8, 15, you're hungry. So what happened? Because the ought and the should doesn't give you the power to do it. There's no power in ought and should. There's just condemnation. There's just guilt. There's just shame. But, but when you understand who you are, it changes your belief system. So that when the enemy comes, like the enemy came to Eve in the garden and says, God doesn't want what's best for you. You don't combat it with, well, the law says that I'm not supposed to touch that. You combat it with, no, no. He who did not spare his own son freely gives me all things. He doesn't want what's less for me. He wants what's best for me. And what you're telling me is a lie. And the only way you can combat the lie is by the truth, right? So we come against sin by understanding who we are. We overcome difficult days. He's, he tells those believers, you can overcome these difficult days. And some of you are going to overcome by ultimately overcoming. He says, you overcome these difficult days by believing that you were chosen by God. Amen. All right, let's stand up. I know that some of you battle with your self-worth. You struggle at times. I think we all do at times. And the only, the only rescue, the only rescue and the only hope is understanding who we are in Christ. And who we are, first of all, we were loved and graced and chosen. So, Father, we thank you for that. We want to base how we see ourselves based on how you see us. Not based on what the world says or what the world views, but based on what you say about us because you are truth. Your word is true. And we ask you, Lord, to help us build a foundation of truth that will combat the lies of this world system. In Jesus' name, amen.